morning, everyone. As we gather, let's prepare our hearts for worship by hearing the words of this song. So good morning once again, and welcome to those of you here, as well as those of you worshiping online. We're so glad that you're connecting with us today. At this time, hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 99. 
The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Amen. I invite you to stand. And this is actually a new song for us, so we're going to start with the chorus and feel free to join in when you feel comfortable.
Good morning and welcome in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a special Sunday for Hardwick Ministries and for the Fusion community as we install the Reverend J.B. Worland as a campus pastor here to serve this community. And I am grateful, I am deeply grateful that you all are here to participate in this with us. And to the people from Providence that are here, um, we extend you a warm welcome and we thank you um, for participating with us this Sunday. And we thank you for the ways that you have contributed and shaped and molded J.B. Whirlin during his time with you. And we trust that we will continue to care for him at the same caliber that you all did for as many years of service there. The Church of Jesus Christ is the Church of Christ. And the church has been called to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and discipling them to obey everything that Jesus taught. Throughout the scriptures and particularly in the book of Acts where we are right now, we see that the Lord called certain individuals apart from the community as a whole because of their unique gifts to lead and to serve the community. And this Sunday, we have the opportunity to install J.B. Worland as our next pastor. Serving as a pastor is, is a challenging task. First and foremost, I think the call of a pastor is to this in the words of Paul, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What a pastor does in part is they work out their salvation and the implications of salvation in Jesus Christ with fear and trembling in front of a community. And sometimes they'll get it right 
Sometimes they won't quite get it right. But through all of that, they model for us what it means to follow Christ faithfully in a broken world through all those times. That is one of the challenges of pastor. The second challenge is also just as important. And that is they teach us, they preach, they teach, they open God's word to us, and they help us to understand it so that we all might live as faithful Christ followers as well. And they call us to a life of faithfulness. And so the call of pastor is in part to spend time in study. It's to spend time in reflection. It's to spend time wrestling with the stories of the people of this community and saying, how do I open the word of God to them? How do I help them explore the word of God so they might live more faithfully as Christ followers in this world and testify to the grace of God? And if that isn't enough, they're also called to equip. So Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 is that he's given us certain individuals and certain gifts in the community to equip others for works of service. And discipleship is about equipping to follow Christ faithfully. And so being a pastor means walking alongside the people of this community and helping them to wrestle with the spiritual dynamics, the spiritual questions in their lives, the spiritual struggles that they're facing. It involves sometimes sitting as Job's friends did when Job struggled. It involves sitting with people and sometimes sitting with them like Job's friends that were most helpful when they didn't say anything. And sometimes it's just sitting quietly with people as they wrestle with things. Sometimes it involves praying for them, sometimes publicly, sometimes privately. But it involves walking with people and equipping them to live out their faith in Jesus Christ in every sphere of their lives. And so the calling as a pastor is a high calling. But it's a high calling not in the sense of prestige. It's a high calling in the sense that the, you have the privilege of walking with people and dealing, walking with them in their spiritual lives. And so as part of this installation service this morning, we're going to walk through several steps. First, we're going to hear a charge, a word of encouragement to JB from Pastor Bob Borsma, who he served under for 10 years at Providence. Following that charge, I'll invite him up, and then I'll invite Nicole Prinz up, our president of council, and she has some questions that she will pose to JB. Following those questions, we'll have a prayer of installation, and then our elder for the Fusion Community, Jeff Lies, will come up and give a charge to this community as well as some questions to this community, and then we'll close with prayer. Okay, so that's what's coming. So right now, JB, a charge from your former pastor and colleague in ministry, Bob Boardsma. Good morning, Hardawike family. Today you have the blessing of installing the Most Reverend Jonathan Barrett Warnland. At least that's what he insisted on us calling him <laughs> over here at Providence. And this day confirms that uh, he is, you're officially stuck with him. No givebacks. Actually, we would love to have him back. We've been blessed to have him. He joined our ministry team 10 plus years ago as a young man at a seminary 
And uh, he was as goofy then as he is now. And he's done nothing but grow and mature and flourish during his time with us. And just when we got him all trained up and, and ready to go, you snatched him away. I mean, God called him to you. As his older ministry partner, I have had the privilege, the blessing of a front row seat of watching him grow and develop. Our partnership has been, been rich. It's been full of fun. It's been full of hard work and seeing God people, God change people's lives. We held each other accountable. We became like a, a Jonathan and a David. And as David surpassed Jonathan, this young man has surpassed me and you're receiving a, a gift. Although I never could quite pray the Green Bay Packers out of them. So that'll be a job left for you. Now I get the privilege of uh, giving JB his charge as he accepts God's call to Heart of White Church. So JB, Love God above all, and love his people as you do yourself. Know and remember your gifts, your strengths. Don't apologize for them, use them. Know and remember also that you're called to lead from your weakness, your dependence, so that God can make you strong. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Humbly serve the least, and humbly challenge the arrogant. Do it with grace, but do it with truth. Don't let fear keep you from saying the hard things that God's people need to hear. Preach God's word faithfully, boldly, but also humbly. Be patient in the trials of life and of ministry and pray constantly. Be quick to stand on God's truth, but just as quick to admit when you're wrong. And finally, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make straight your paths. Blessings, friend. We will miss you and your family and your ministry among us, but we will take great joy in watching from afar as God continues the good work that he began in you and promises to bring to completion. And Evo, Always remember we love you more. And Bryson and Emmy, remember where the peppermints are and come get them whenever you want to. Blessings to you all. Blessings to you, Heart Awake. Thank you. I now invite um, JB and Nicole Prinz um, forward for the questions. I'm all sniffly, sorry about that. <laughs> That's right, you don't have to talk right away. Okay. JB, in order that God's people assembled here may witness that you, in the strength of the Lord, accept the responsibilities of this office, you are requested to stand and answer the following questions. Do you believe that the call of Hardwick Ministries to serve Fusion Community, God calls you to this holy ministry? Do you believe that the Old and New Testaments are the word of God, an only fallible rule of faith and life? Do you um, subscribe to the doctrinal standards of this church, rejecting all teachings that contradict them? And do you promise to be a faithful minister, to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of your calling, and to submit to the government and disciple of this church? 
JB, what do you answer? I do, God helping me. Thanks. I invite you all to stand and join with me for the prayer installation. And because we are firmly committed um, to the priesthood of all believers, um, I invite you as we pray um, to raise your right hand over JB. God, our Heavenly Father, who has called you to this great and glorious office, enlighten, strengthen, and govern you by the word and spirit so that you may serve faithfully and fruitfully in your ministry to the glory of God's name and the coming of the kingdom of the Son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you all. You may be seated. What a great day. It is good. I'm sorry you sat down, but at Heart Awake, we take charge of standing up. So if you are in the building and you're on the TV screen, stand back up in your living room. And I'm going to ask you a few questions. All right? Dear Congregation of Christ, we ask that you respond to the following questions with, we do, God helping us. Do you, in the name of the Lord, welcome J.B. Wernland as your minister and pastor? Do you promise to take to heart the word of God as he proclaims it? Do you promise to pray for JB, to share with him in the work of this ministry, to encourage JB in the exercise of his tasks, and to respond to his work with obedience, love, and respect? Congregation, what is your answer? Thank you all very much. You may be seated. I'll ask um, JB to stay up here for the closing prayer. We will um, close a prayer, and at the conclusion of the prayer, we will say the Lord's Prayer together. So, gracious Father, we thank you for this moment, this moment in time for both Hardwick Ministries and the Fusion community, a moment that has been a long time in coming, a moment where the patience of many people um, is coming to fruition. As we look, as we look to the future, Lord, we anticipate a time in which we will continue to be shaped in our faith, that we'll continue to be encouraged in our walk with Christ, that we will be impacted by the preaching and the ministry of JB among us. And Lord, as a community, may we never take that for granted. But may we be a community that seeks to encourage, that continually prays, and continually asks the Lord to use JB in remarkable ways among us. We pray for JB and Yvonne as they transition to our community. May they be greeted with warm fellowship and open arms. May we be attentive to the word of God that is preached through him. May we be open to the questions that he asked us about our own spiritual lives. And may we be encouraged by his ministry among us. And Lord, we pray for JB, as Pastor Bob reminded us. May he be and continue to strive more and more in the stu to study your word. 
May he walk faithfully. May he pray faithfully. And may you continue to work through him and in him, shaping him to minister here in the coming years. And so, Lord, as a community, we pray this together. We also ask that you be with those members in our community who are struggling right now, who are quarantined, who feel the weight of COVID-19 and other pressures of life weighing upon them. May they feel your presence. May they feel the encouraging words of this community. And may we reach out to continue to encourage them and to build them up even as they face the trials and tribulations of life. We pray for the, your blessings on the remainder of this service and on the preaching of your word. In the name of the Father, and we ask all this, praying together as the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This may seem a little odd, but let's welcome JB as our campus pastor with a warm round of applause. And I'm going to violate COVID. <laughs> And at this point, um, the children can be dismissed, and Lauren is over there. So thank you all very much. I hear a little one saying, I don't want to go. Isn't that how we all should be? Uh, we all want to stay in church. Um, thank you. I, you know, I am realizing the reality that I have a seven-year-old daughter um, when someone said to me, it's installation day. And the first thing I thought was, it's installation day. The window is open, so is that door. Anyone else? Okay. <laughs> That's a, a frozen reference. So if you didn't get it, you maybe don't have a seven-year-old daughter anyway. Uh, but on a serious note, I just want to say thank you. Um, thank you to, to Providence, those who are here, um, for 10 years of shared ministry and formation. And thank you to Fusion and the greater Hardawike community uh, for a call um, and what I know will be future shared partnerships and seeing uh, gospel fruit. Um, I know that and I believe that and uh, I look forward to that as well. Uh, one of the ways that uh, God continues to move among his people, the church, is, is when the Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word, and, and we certainly don't want to miss that opportunity this morning. And uh, last week, we started a summer-long journey through the book of Acts. We started Acts 1, and um, we, we, we ended at this point where the, the, the disciples are, are waiting. We want to continue that. We pick up with Acts chapter 2 this morning. Uh, this pivotal, world-changing moment of Pentecost. Now, on the church calendar, we're a few weeks early, but we'll also touch on that in May 23 as well. Uh, but let's read from God's Word uh, together. I invite you to stand if you're willing and able. Acts 2, we'll be reading verses 1 through 21. The Word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, oh, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You pray with me. Father, we pray and we ask, Lord God, that you would, uh, as you did 2,000 years ago, speak to us in power by your spirit, so that each of us would, would hear what we need to hear this morning, that we'd be encouraged in those areas that we need to be encouraged, that we'd be uh, convicted and challenged in those areas that we need challenging. And in all these things, may you draw us closer to your son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen and amen. Now, last week, if uh, you tuned in either on the live stream or you're here in person, uh, we left off again in, in Acts 1. And if you remember in Acts 1, we, we left off in the testimony of the early church, the book of Acts, waiting. We talked about waiting, right? Waiting. The, the disciples are waiting on a move of God, specifically waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And, yet, and last week, we considered the importance that because, because sometimes we're in a hurry, Right? We live in a fast-paced world where sometimes we're in a hurry, we're, in, we're rushed, and, and in that we're longing for control in our lives. And, and when we get caught up in that rush and hurry, we end up getting ahead of God or, or, or halting, right? We, we get ahead of the move of the Spirit. And so it's important to have this reminder to wait. Now this morning what I want to do is just consider briefly the other side of that same coin. What does a move of the Holy Spirit look like? More specifically, what are we waiting for? And what I want to do is look at Acts 2, this powerful moment when the Spirit comes in power, 
and learn and glean from this passage just briefly what we can learn in our context today. What does it look like? What does a move of the Holy Spirit look like? And how do we recognize and what are we to do right now, right here in this place, West Michigan 2021? So first, let's dig quickly into the scriptures, Acts 2. We're given a lot of details in what we just read, right? Some imagery, some things we're like, what, what is all that about? What does it all mean? What's going on here in Acts 2? What we're going to do is look a little bit at some historical context and also the Bible, the broader voice of the scriptures, because both speak something into what's going on here. And I think you'll find it helpful. So Pentecost. Some quick background. Pentecost uh, is uh, a Jewish festival. Before it was a Christian uh, holiday, it was a, a Jewish festival that occurred 50 days after Passover. You can hear it in that, that prefix, right? Pentecost, like Pentagon, 50 days after Passover. If you remember, Passover was a time of remembering the Hebrew exodus from Egypt. So when Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt, that's Passover. Pentecost, it remembers when the the people arrived at Mount Sinai and Moses received the Ten Commandments. This was 50 days later in the book of Exodus. And so this is the day of remembering that time. It was the second, Passover being the first, it was the second of the three major pilgrimage feasts uh, in the Jewish calendar, which meant Jerusalem at this time, and we're told this in Acts 2, Jerusalem would have been flooded with thousands upon thousands of devout Jews uh, from all over the Roman Empire. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a few moments. In Hebrew, Pentecost is Shavuot. Uh, obviously, this particular Pentecost, though, is drastically different. What I want to do is simply dig into some of the details of the account uh, using biblical imagery as a helpful guide. Here's the question, right? What's with the fire? What's with the wind? Like, what, what, do, these, what do these things mean? If you're, if for, a, for a devout Jew, they were familiar with the scriptures and the whole breadth of, of the scriptural, the Old Testament that we call the Hebrew scriptures, and these images would have been familiar. Wind and fire. Throughout the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, wind and fire represent the presence and spirit of God. Wind, first of all. The Hebrew word for wind is Ruach. You want to say that with me? Ruach. And you got to kind of clear your throat at the end. Ruach. There you go. We got some good. Yeah, there you go. Ruach. It's the same word for wind, but it's also the same word for breath. It's the same word for spirit. So in Genesis 1, when the spirit hovers over the waters, that's ruach, same word, wind. Uh, similar uh, similarities in Greek with pneuma. But what's more compelling is this image of fire. Fire. Consider how often, in, if, you, if you think about the Old Testament, the Old Testament, how often fire represents God's power, presence, and glory. Think about Exodus 3 on the screen, right? Where God speaks to Moses and it's this bush that's on fire, but it's not consumed. God represented in fire. Uh, Exodus 13, when God is leading the people out of Egypt, there is this pillar, right? Uh, it's a cloud during the day and at night it's a pillar of fire. And then Exodus 19, when they finally arrive at the base of Mount Sinai and Moses goes up to the mountain and to meet with God, to be given the Ten Commandments, what do the people of God see at the base of Mount Sinai? They see on the top of Mount Sinai, there's this thunderstorm, lightning, and there's fire. 
It's a consistent image in the Old Testament. Fire represents the presence of God. Fast forward to Exodus 40. Moses on on Mount Sinai is given all these instructions to build the tabernacle, right? This tent that God dwelled in the tabernacle. And in Exodus 40, God's glory fills the tabernacle. Fast forward to 2 Chronicles. Solomon has finished the temple in Jerusalem. And then God's presence fills the temple in Jerusalem. And what's the image of God's glory? Fire. Fire filling the tabernacle. Fire filling the temple. Wow. Think about these images, fire and wind. These are powerful and dangerous forces, uh, right? Intimidating to approach as a human being, which is the same for God's glory. God's power and God's presence. Wind and fire represent the very presence and power of God to a Jewish audience. And what's happening in Pentecost is this radical gospel shift. There's a radical shift because because in Jesus Christ, because of the gospel, something radically new is happening. God's presence and power, which for centuries, right, could only be encountered through a mediator, right, whether it's on Mount Sinai with Moses, whether it's in the tabernacle or the temple, and there's there's a priest, right, mediating God's presence between God's presence and the, the people here in this moment of Pentecost, God's presence is coming down from heaven and resting upon and dwelling in the group of disciples who are praying together in that upper room. It's become familiar for us, but this is a radical shift. God's presence coming down and filling God's people. We have to just pause for a moment because it's incredible. Wow. And for what's, what's the purpose in all this? Let's, let's move ahead. What happens next? Look at a couple other images. Tongues. What's the deal with tongues and the prophecy of Joel that's, that's spoken by Peter just a f- few verses later? The result of God's presence and power coming down is that people, God's people, the disciples in this upper room, begin to speak in different tongues. Now, when we hear about speaking in tongues, what we're not talking about here is people speaking in kind of an indiscernible, angelic language or something uh, that's more common in other traditions. What's happening here in Acts 2 is that the people, the disciples, are speaking in other languages from around the Roman Empire. Again, Shavuot, or Pentecost, has brought devout Jews from all over the known Roman Empire into Jerusalem. I don't know if you can read, uh, but those, uh, it might be a little hard to read maybe on this screen, but you have Cyrene. Like the, this is listing all the places and regions that Peter uh, said in, or not Peter, but the people said. These are the, the regions and places listed in Acts 2. And it would be similar to us saying from coast to coast. Not, it's not so important in the specific regions, but to recognize that we have people and languages represented from the Middle East into Africa, Europe. We have people from around the Roman Empire here in this moment, hearing God's words spoken in their native language. Wow. Again. Then we move to the prophecy of Joel. And what, is, what does Peter point out in the prophecy of Joel? Joel goes on to show, what does it mean by all people? Right? He speaks of men and women, young and old, rich and poor. All of these barriers and walls that divide people are coming down. It's really a reversal of, of the Tower of Babel, right? 
And again, there is a radical gospel shift happening in this moment. God's spirit, which typically there was an anointing of God's spirit on a select few who would stand in the gap for the whole, but here the spirit, God's presence and power rested on the disciples gathered and all of them, we're given that detail, all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the word of God goes out and is heard by people from every nation and language in the known world. Everyone's represented. And so ethnic walls are, are toppled. Through the prophet Joel, we're told that gender barriers and age barriers and, and yes, even socioeconomic barriers all come tumbling down as the gift of the Spirit comes and is spoken through the people president. The gospel is for all people. All people are eligible to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit as long as we share one thing. We're told that all who call on the name of the Lord, and that calling on the name of the Lord is a response to God's call, verse 39, God's gracious call in our lives. Okay, so what does this mean? We've just dug into some context, right? What does this mean? What are the implications for us? Two things. Briefly, two things. What I want to leave us with this morning. First is that this call is for all. This calls for all y'all if you're from the South, right? The Holy Spirit's power and presence in all of us. Remember, who was filled with the Holy Spirit in that upper room? Was it just the apostles? Was it just those who memorized enough scripture or who got that certain theological degree? Was it just those who secured a, a master's in divinity? That's an intimidating title. But from Western Theological Seminary, which is a fantastic place you're familiar with, right? That's, my, that's where I graduated, if you didn't know. Is it just those who were recently installed as minister of the word in a local congregation? No. All were called. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and used by God to share the good news of his kingdom. Each one who called themselves a disciple, an apprentice, an apostle of Jesus Christ was filled with the same Holy Spirit. Yes, today is special. It's installation day. Yes, there is a unique call and a unique specific call that I have been given to this community and I'm honored and humbled by that. But make no mistake, we are all called and filled with the Holy Spirit. We each have a unique opportunity and responsibility to bring the presence and power of Jesus Christ into the lives of others because God has given you gifts that I don't have. God has given you gifts that other people don't have. God has placed you in circles and circumstances that no one else is living in with your gifts and qualifications and non-qualifications because it is the gift of the Spirit, right? You can reach people that no one else can reach. You can testify, as we learned last week, to the, the, the love of Jesus Christ in ways that no one else can. You have been called. That's the first thing. The very power and presence of God dwells in you. And the second thing is this. Acts 2, if we didn't read the end of the, the whole chapter of Acts, but Acts 2 begins with this extraordinary, amazing, miraculous moment of Pentecost where God's spirit descending from heaven, filling God's people. Do you know where Acts 2 ends? Acts 2.42 is this beautiful picture of the church. And if you read that passage, I encourage you to read that this week, maybe together as a family or household. It's this description of the early church that at first glance seems pretty ordinary. 
So Acts 2 is bookended by this extraordinary event. And at the end, it's this rather ordinary description of people living together. But if you think about it, the way in which God's people lived together, the way in which God's people and Acts, the early church, related to and loved one another actually was pretty extraordinary. And that's the second thing I want to leave us with this morning, that the very power and presence of God is revealed in relationship. Not simply in powerful displays and miracles, but in relationship. When the church of Jesus Christ is living as the church of Jesus Christ, God's presence and power is revealed. You see, fusion families, sometimes we, we, as we learned last week, sometimes we try to seize control. In our rush, in our busyness, we, we try to seize control and we get ahead of God. But the other side of that coin is just as true. Sometimes we get stuck waiting. Sometimes we get stuck waiting for the spirit to move through someone more qualified, right, to have that conversation, whether it's a pastor or an elder, someone who's, who's better prepared to have that conversation. We get stuck waiting. Or we get stuck waiting for, for something powerful and miraculous, some move of God that's undeniable. But most often we need to realize that God's power and presence occurs when ordinary people like you, like me, I'm just an ordinary person. But when ordinary people follow the Spirit in faith through everyday life, interactions and relationships with the people God has placed us to be with, that's when we see God move in miraculous ways. In the last 10 and a half years, I can tell you countless stories of things, miraculous things that happened through ordinary circumstances. God's people walking alongside a single mom to secure housing, to secure the care that she needs and her kids need. I've seen God's people encouraging a coworker who had just lost his wife and who was absolutely devastated. But I saw God's people who was in that moment, in that place, encourage that person and their life was changed forever. I've, I've witnessed um, someone saying yes to a lunch meeting with a desperate young woman who had reached the end of herself. And it was through that engagement in a Russ's restaurant that that young woman's life was forever changed. But it's not just in those big things. I've seen people just opening their homes and inviting neighbors over to a barbecue or a backyard VBS. I've seen it in just people willing to give one hour twice a month to serve in ministry. And what I've witnessed are miracles. Lives transformed and changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, that is a miracle, a move of God. And you know what, Fusion family? It's gonna continue. We're going to continue to see God move in miraculous ways as we together answer that call, recognize that we are filled and empowered by the Spirit of God to share good news. Let's pray and ask God to help us in this calling. Will you join me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this testimony from Scripture that is powerful and, and incredible. And yet this 
picture that we fast forward to the end of the book of Acts and it's in this seemingly ordinary interaction, but Lord, in the ordinary, something extraordinary happens. Lord, this opportunity still is in front of us today. As we, as your church, Lord, have an opportunity to live in such a way that is different from the world around us. Lord, a world that is, is divided and polarized, a world that, that seems filled with anger and, and hatred. Lord, we have an opportunity to be a light that shines brightly when people can come together who think differently on a lot of things but share this one thing in common, the gospel, the good news, that we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Lord, may we live into this call that you've given to each of us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. God's people say, amen. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship with us.
and glory to the King of God. Hallelujah to the King of love. All praise and glory to the King of love. We sing hallelujah to the King of love. All praise and glory. God's love would fill us so that we are like a vessel that, that overflows. Uh, I was just struck by how last week, waiting and dwelling and being with God uh, and then being sent and called and going out by the power of the Spirit is really represented in that image of being filled, waiting, being with Jesus until it overflows, the Spirit moves and God's people go out. Fusion family, we are all called. I hope you heard that. I hope you heard that conviction by the power of the Spirit and uh, look forward to what God is going to do in and through God's people here. And not only here, but out in Holland and beyond. And uh, as you go from here, receive God's blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.
Jesus, we need you now.